0: <laughs> and laughs Theater of the Mind The best love programs from radio's golden age Only on Zoomer Radio Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor Well, thank you,
1: and welcome to the show Two lengthy shows tonight on the way Which means from here on in, I'll be listening along with you So let's get started with Bud Abbott and Lou Costello.
2: Hey, Abbott, what time is it? It's time for the Abbott Costello Show. We're on the air for ABC here in Hollywood. Well, what are we waiting for? Let's go with the Abbott and Costello Show.
3: It's the Abbott and Costello Show. Produced and transcribed in Hollywood for your listening and laughing pleasure. Chuckles with a carload and music by Matty
1: Malnick. So hold on to your chairs, folks, for here they are,
3: Bud Abbott and Lou Costello. Hey!
2: Right,
4: quiet, down. Get your money, right, Quiet, down, quiet down, quiet down. Yeah. Quiet
2: down! What are you doing with those boxing gloves? I'm going to enter the Golden Gloves tournament. I've been training. You a price fighter? Yes, I'm known as Butcher Boy Costello. Butcher Boy Costello? Yes, I gave my opponent a left to the heart, a right to the kidneys, a left to the chops, and a right cross to the short ribs. And then? He knocked me on my pot roast.
5: <laughs>
2: <laughs> you don't even look like a fighter. Being strong is all in the mind, you know, Costello. It is? Sure. You have to think strong. Think of Atlas, and you'll have a shape like him. Think of Hercules, and you'll have a shape like his. That method won't work with me, Abbott. Why not? I keep thinking of Rita Hayworth. I...
5: <laughs> <laughs>
2: what do you think will happen to you if you got knocked around and got punched, drunk, and goofy? I can always be a straight man like you. Sure you can. <laughs>
5: How
2: do you think you'd look with a cauliflower ear? A mushroom nose and a squash face. I'd be the only guy in Hollywood with a built in home garden. Uh, uh, Costello, you're a moron. Uh, what's that? You're a moron. That's enough, Abbott. One more word out of you and I'll fight. Idiot. That ain't the word.
5: <laughs> Costello, you're in a
2: crash with an imbecile. I know. Want me to help you out with your homework? I'll get him out of here. <laughs> Chase to do nothing On the show Oh stop Oh I went to that quiz show Truth or coincidences uh- <laughs> They asked me a question when I, when I didn't give them The answer They hit me over the head With a, a crowbar And ripped my clothes off And hit me in the face With a pie and squirted dirty water all over me Oh well, that's terrible Yeah but the joke Was on them It was? Mm hmm I knew the answer All the time <laughs> You should quit hanging around quiz shows trying to win something for nothing. You ought to get yourself a job and go to work. I tried to. I studied to be a bartender. I went to the bartender school for two years and I still can't get a job. Why not? I can't fix a television set. I I thought so. You're just stupid. Your whole family is stupid. Oh, how can you say that? My Uncle Mike is a very brilliant man. He invented the cotton gin, the telephone, and the steamboat. What about Whitney, Bell, and Fulton? Leave the Andrews sisters out of this. I... What, is it, what is Uncle Mike doing now, Lou? He's part-time lifeguard at the Del Mar Hotel swimming pool. Are you kidding? Uncle Mike can't even swim. That's why he's only working part-time. <laughs> he had a lot of trouble with Aunt May last week. He did? Yeah, he got her a new set of false teeth, and he told her not to take them out. He begged her not to take him out He pleaded with her not to take him out But she did What happened? Her head collapsed I...
5: <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, your Aunt May is quite a woman, Lou She wa- she raised quite a family Oh, yes, three years ago at the Patterson Fair She won first prize for having the most little boys in one family She well, had 15 little boys mm-hmm. What was first prize? A little boy A little. <laughs> never mind that Whatever happened to your Aunt May's uh, younger sister? Oh, she graduated from high school this year. And she's so excited, she's going to Harvard. Harvard? Harvard is a boy's school. Yeah, that's why she's so excited. (laughs) (laughs) She's going to Harvard. That's ridiculous. None of your family ever went to college. Is that so? Hmm. I'm taking a night course right now at UCLA. Well, now I'm better. In In other words, that's Euclid. Okay, well, as we got, UCLA, I'm glad to hear it, Lou. Uh, how are you making out? Not so good. Monday night, the teacher asked each pupil to bring something that would show what they want to be when they when they get out of school. Well, now it sounds interesting. Yeah, one guy wanted to be a policeman, so he brought a button off a policeman's uniform. One girl wanted to be a nurse, so she brought a button off a nurse's uniform. Another guy wanted to be a fireman, so he brought a button off a fireman's uniform. What did you bring? Nothing. Why not? I wanted to be married. How are you going to get a button off of that? <laughs> You want to be married You don't know the first thing About marriage You don't even know What it takes to make a marriage I do so It only takes two people To make a marriage Well, that's right A single girl And an anxious mother I... <laughs> As far as I'm concerned Marriage is a three-ring circus What do you mean A three-ring circus? Well, first The engagement ring Yes Then the wedding ring Yes And then suffering Oh, Stop <laughs> Are you still going with that striptease dancer at the burlesque show? Oh, sure. Every night I bring her three roses. Does she wear them? She has to. It's her custom. What about that new girl that moved in the apartment next to you? Well, I tell you, Abbott, I had a date with her and she's a bachelor girl. Well, what makes you think she's a bachelor girl? She looks more like a bachelor than she does a girl. Oh, what a girl is she, Lou? Abbott, asking a girl's age is like buying a used car. What do you mean? Well, you know the speedometer has been set back, but you don't know how far. Where, where did you take her on the date? Well, we went to a soda fountain and had one of those fancy dishes. You know, ice cream and bananas split. No, I paid the whole check. I... <laughs> well, she doesn't
5: sound like she
2: doesn't sound like the kind of girl for you, Costello Tell me, do you still uh, do you still date that cute little uh, blonde from Ramona? Oh, sure. I had a date to go horseback riding with her last night. You did? Yes. We rode along through the moonlight. It was beautiful. Her horse was nuzzling my horse. My horse was nuzzling her horse. Ah, must have been fun. It was for the horses. My girl didn't show up.
5: <laughs> <laughs> I guess she
2: saw it in me because I bought her mother a girdle, and her mother got mad too. Well, uh, what size does her mother wear? Small, medium, or large? Oh no, no, no. Women's girdles don't come in those sizes, either. They don't. Oh no, no. What sizes do they come in? Large, larger, and here comes the showboat. <laughs> Hello, Uncle Bud. Hello, Uncle Louie. Sabbath snapped you folks. I left orders with the doorman not to let you win. Now, how did you get past him? I held your script under his nose and then stepped over his body.
5: <laughs> there must
2: be a way to keep this guy out of here. Now, I've got it. I'll hypnotize him. Come over here, Norman. Uh, now, wait a minute, Costello. What are you going to do to him? I'm going to hypnotize him and put him to sleep. Look me straight in the eye, Norman. Okay. You're going to sleep abba sleep abba sleep abba sleep I think it's working, Uncle Louie It is? Yeah, my abba is asleep
5: <laughs> Now you lay
2: off, Norman He's my sister Olive's boy And Olive's a very lovely person And a big woman in this town I notice that Your sister Olive is built Like the state of Indiana <laughs> Just what do you mean? She has a large south bend I...
5: Right. <laughs> My
2: sister, Olive, is a leader of society. Before she moved to Hollywood, she was the rage of Kansas City. Your sister, Olive, would throw any city into a rage. <laughs> she came to the right place when she came to Hollywood. She's a typical Hollywood girl. What do you mean? A Hollywood girl at 30 has wrinkles. At 35, she has gray hair. And at 40, she becomes a blonde and starts all over again.
5: Say <laughs> i tell you what
2: you want about my sister, Olive, but she's a very well-educated woman. She's a college graduate. And she has a sheepskin. I notice that you ought to try using Jergen's lotion. I...
5: <laughs> you, know, you,
2: you know, you have no business ridiculing my family. Now, last week you were picking on my wife. My wife comes from one of the finest families in California. She's a Tracy. Any relation to Dick Tracy? Uh,
5: <laughs>
2: certainly not. Certainly not. Dick Tracy is a character in a comic book. Your wife is no oil painting. I... <laughs> Hey, look, Costello, it's our secretary, Viola Vaughn. Well, Viola, 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 you certainly look lovely tonight. What is that you're wearing?
6: Oh, do you like it? This is my nightclub
5: dress.
2: Nightclub dress? Uh Don't you get it, Abbott? No cover. (laughs) No
5: cover.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you look gorgeous tonight. You and I would make a lovely pair. We'd be just like a couple of lovebirds. Would we? Oh, I'll show you. First, I put one wing around you like this. Uh Then I put my other wing around you like this. Then I put... Then I beak up close to your beak. Then I coo softly.
6: What do I do?
2: Oh, stand there, Viola. Drop a worm in his mouth.
6: <laughs>
2: Cut it out. I'm serious about her. And you're not. Why, Viola, I'd bring you the moon on a silver platter.
6: Oh, that's wonderful, Abbott. How about you, Costello? Would you bring me the moon on a silver platter?
2: Would well, I look like a waiter? <laughs> The moon on a silver platter is a poetic expression like they use in song. Oh, you know I wrote a song about the moon? A very beautiful thing, too.
6: Oh, what's the name of it?
2: I call it Carolina Moon, What Are You Doing Over Glendale?
6: <laughs>
5: Stop,
2: Costello. You know nothing about writing songs. Oh, I not only write songs, I sing them. Why, when I was in kindergarten every morning, I would get up in front of the class and sing Rockabye Baby all the way through. Oh, that was marvelous. Yeah, there was nothing to it. I was 21 years old at the time. <laughs> you know any other songs, Costello? Oh, every night I lay in bed and I sing an Irish lullaby.
3: Did
6: that put you to sleep, Costello? Certainly.
2: You don't think I'd stay awake and listen to that howling, do you?
6: Well, I saw you last night, Costello. I saw you. You had a cat on a leash. Hey, that certainly is a funny-looking cat. Is he yours?
2: Yes, he's mine. He's a football cat. I call him First Down. What do you name the cat First Down? Every night he's got ten yards to go.
6: (laughs) (laughs) Well, instead of being out walking a cat on a leash, a boy your age ought to be out with a girl.
2: Well, I like cats better. They're smarter than girls anyway. What makes you say the cats are smarter than girls? Well, Abbott, no matter how a girl tries, she can't wash her face with her tongue.
5: <laughs>
2: Pay no attention to him, Viola. Why don't you come over and see the preview of, of our new picture, Viola? Huh? I do some love scenes in the picture, and I, I want you to see my, my fade-out kiss. You mean she'll see your faded-out kisser?
5: <laughs> anyway, Viola has
2: got a date with me.
6: Well, I don't think I'm going to keep it, Costello. Why not? Well, last Sunday he took me riding, and he insisted I wear a riding habit. Naturally. Monday he took me hiking, and he insisted I wear a hiking suit. Naturally. Tuesday he took me to dinner, and he insisted I wear a dinner gown.
2: Well, why are you breaking the date tonight?
6: Tonight he wants to take me to a birthday party. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Well, that did it. It's been a lot of fun, and it's been a beautiful evening up to now, Mabel.
6: Mabel, my name is Viola.
2: Well, whatever your name is, it's certainly been fun. Get him out of here! Gentlemen, Abbott and I heard a young singer in New York several weeks ago, and we liked him very much, and we brought him back to Hollywood to join our show. And here he is, and we hope you like him too, Hal Winters.
4: El
7: Cumba Kumba 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 a BANGO 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 sero. Riga di chi va suonando con se El kumba, 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 kumbanero. A bango bongo, sero. Riga di chi va suonando con bongero? Bongo Riggy rigby, 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 riggy Kumba 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 kumbanchero, a bongo 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 bongosero. Reggae che va so volando al cumbanchero, bongosero bongo, che se va, bongosero che se va. Kumba 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 kumbanchero, a bongo 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 bongosero. Reggae che va so volando al cumbanchero, bongosero che se va, bongosero che se va. When you're a bom rickety, boom, boom, boom ba. You when you're rickety, El bango, se va. Bango, se
2: Stella, something's got to be done about the parking conditions around this studio. Tonight, I couldn't see a parking space in front of the studio, in back of the studio, or even across the street from the studio. Could be worse. Uh, what do you mean? Yeah, but suppose you had a car. Yeah.
5: I... <laughs> well,
2: never mind that. Did your Uncle Mike drive you down here tonight? No, my Uncle Mike just took his California driver's test today. You should have seen him. He got in a car with the inspector, backed into a truck, bumped into a street car, and then he crashed into a stone wall. Did he pass? We won't know till next Wednesday. <laughs> Why not? That's the day the inspector gets out of the hospital <laughs> uh, Did your Uncle Mike go to see his favorite uh, program? What's Doing Ladies? Yes And there was a line in front of that studio two blocks long uh, Never mind that How did he like What's Doing Ladies? I don't know By the time he got in, they were through doing it
5: <laughs> <laughs> I
2: don't <laughs> You know, your Uncle Mike is an ignoramus He ought to get himself an education yeah, she's got one, Abbott. Why, ten years ago, Uncle Mike was a garbage collector without an education. Then he went to night school and he graduated. And what a difference that made in him. What is he now? A garbage collector with an education. <laughs> 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 well, never mind him, Costello. What is your Sam Shovel detective story for tonight? It's a fascinating case, Abbott. I call it the case of the curbstone murder or Gertie, get out of the gutter <laughs> and let the water go by. <laughs>
3: Let's get on with the case. Yeah, let's do that. And now the makers of Smudge Pot Cigarettes present the further adventures of Sam Shovel, private detective. But first, a word about our product, Smudgepot Cigarettes. Smudge Pots are the only cigarettes that contain no nicotine, no harmful tars, no tobacco. LAUGHTER these cigarettes are made only from the finest domestic and Turkish towels. <laughs> and remember our slogan. Smudge pots are the only cigarettes that contain alum. Our slogan is, Pucker while you
5: puff.
3: <laughs> go to your cigar store tonight. They will give you a package of Smudge pots for nothing. The package has no sharp edges. Take them home and throw them in your dresser. What a cigarette. So free, so easy on the
5: drawers.
3: (laughs) And now to the adventures of Sam Shovel, Private Detective.
5: Yes.
2: Yes, I'm Sam Shovel, Private Detective. I'm sitting in my little office looking at my new office safe. This time, I got a real office safe. When I go home at night, I lock my office in it. I see a piece of string around my finger. Suddenly, I remember what it's for. It's to remind me to take the string off my finger. I reach in my pocket for my tobacco. There's a big hole in my pocket. That's the last time I'll buy chewing tobacco. I always choose a hole in my pocket.
5: This detective
2: racket is plenty tough. You've got to work in all kinds of weather. Just listen to that wind howling outside.
4: I'll give you that if you'll give me this.
2: I'll give you this if you give me that. It's a trade wind.
5: <laughs>
2: it was such a nice night as this that I was called to solve the famous farmyard murder. A fiendish farmer had cut off his hired man's head. He hid it in the alfalfa. What a tough case. It was like finding a noodle in a haystack. (laughs) (laughs) I decide to shave. I lather my face. The razor hums through my whiskers.
5: St. Louis woman with all her diamond rings.
2: I always use Gillette Blues blades. (laughs) (laughs) I decide to dial up a little in case a client should come in. I put on my swallowtail coat. I take it off. Seems silly for a man my age to wear a coat made of (laughs) swallowtails. I notice the headline in the morning paper. The country is in a strange position. On the next page, it says, eggs are going up. Chickens must be in a strange position, too. (laughs) (laughs) Suddenly, the phone rings. Hello? Yes, this is Sam Shovel, the detective. Somebody that wants me to handle the case. Yes? No. No, I can't work that, Chief. No, no, you know my prize. What's that? 5000 Okay, I'll take the case. Right, 5000 But remember, all touchy Rolls, no jelly beans. I thought of my friend, Lieutenant Abbott of the Homicide Squad. I might get him to help me on this case. Some people think Lieutenant Abbott has a screw loose in his head, but I know different. I tightened that screw in his head only yesterday. (laughs) One thing I will say for Lieutenant Abbott, he knows his onions. He can walk in any vegetable store and say, that's an onion. (laughs) But he's a real cop. Abbott don't know the meaning of the word intimidation. That's only one of a million words he don't know the meaning of.
5: (laughs) Hello,
2: Sam Shovel. It's my pal, Lieutenant Abbott of the Homicide Squad. Sam, I'd like to leave my new cowhide briefcase in your office. That's a pretty briefcase, Lieutenant. Yeah, it's genuine cowhide. Open it.
5: Mm -hmm. (laughs)
2: The cow is still hiding in it.
5: There's a picture of your wife
3: in
2: it, too. She looks kind of different in this picture. It's Her hair. She's wearing a page boy. Don't she look nice? Hard to tell. The page boy's feet are hanging down over her face.
5: (laughs) Enough of this nonsense, Sam.
2: The cops caught an old friend of yours last night. Shirley, the shoplifter. Beautiful Shirley, the shoplifter. I once trailed her through a department store, through the shoe department, through the jewelry department, the furniture department, then I caught her in men's underwear. (laughs) This is serious, Sam. Sam. Shirley is in the prison hospital. She's unconscious. She keeps moaning, Harry. Harry! Harry! You must be in the state of Como.
5: <laughs> Sam, if you want to see Shirley
2: alive, we'd better get over to the hospital at once. Let's go. We arrived at the hospital. We were walking down the corridor. I was reading the signs on the door. Dr. Kildare, surgery, back in 10 minutes. Dr. Nichols, surgery, back in 15 minutes. Dr. Condon, perjury, back in 20 years. Sam, <laughs> here comes the doctor that's taking care of Shirley the shoplifter. He looks like a phony to me.
5: I
3: heard that, young man. I'll have you know that I've operated on over 300 patients and I never lost a single one of them. You didn't? No, I know where each one of them is buried.
5: LAUGHTER
3: Doctor, can we go in and see Shirley now? Yes, but don't stay too long, please The patient must not have too much excitement Why not? How do I know? All the radio doctors say that (laughs) My goodness Aren't you Sam Shovel, the detective? That's me Man, from the looks of you, you need medical attention Uh, Shovel, if you will come here tomorrow between 2 and 4 or between 6 and 8, remember, between 2 and 4 or 6 and 8, I'll examine your head. Why can't I come between 4 and 6? That's when they're examining my head. (laughs) Come on, Sam Shovel. Here's Shirley's room.
7: Uh, Oh, poor Shirley. My poor
8: Shirley. Sir, who are you? And what are you doing here?
7: I'm Shirley's father. She's in the next room. She's
3: got a premisitis known that the doctors will operate on. I'm afraid she'll die. Cheer up, friend. I will operate on Shirley. You? I thought you were a detective.
2: Before I became a detective, I was known as young Dr. Shovel. <laughs> Are you sure you can do it, Sam? Am I sure I can do it? Certainly. I'll skin out to the car and get my satchel of surgical instruments.
5: <laughs> Thank goodness
2: he's got his satchel. He's right in there, Sam. Here I go. Has anybody got a hammer? Here's a hammer. Thanks. Anybody got a chisel? Here's a chisel. Anybody got a blowtorch? Wait a minute, Sam. Sam, hammer, chisel, blowtorch. What are you doing to Shirley? What, Shirley? First, I got to open my satchel. (laughs) Costello, Sam Shovel, you were really digging him up tonight. <laughs> Get it? Shovel, digging them up? <laughs> it's a joke, son. I dug up a joke. Yes, and you'd better bury it again. <laughs> Abbott, let's leave the jokes to our writer. You mean we got writers? Oh, he's only kidding, folks. He knows our writing staff. We're headed by Eddie Foreman with Paul Conlon, Pat Costello, Martin Ragoway, and Len Stern. And I know that our producer is Charles Vander. That's pretty good for Abbott, folks, when you consider Vanda's only been on the show two years. <laughs> Good night, folks. Good night,
5: everybody. Good night. Everybody.
2: Good night everybody.
1: Stay tuned for Challenge of the Yukon next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Sergeant Preston and Challenge of the Yukon.
3: Challenge of the Yukon. <laughs> King, swiftest and strongest lead dog of the North Country, blazing the trail for Sergeant Preston
1: of the Northwest Mounted Police in his relentless pursuit of lawbreakers. On
5: King! On, your husky.
1: Gold, gold discovered in the Yukon, a stampede to the Klondike in the greedy race for riches. Now back to the days of the gold rush when Sergeant Preston and his wonder dog, King, battled through storm and snow to preserve law and order as they met the challenge of the Yukon. At the trading post in Selkirk, Pete Carruthers sat in a corner trying on mucklucks, while Francois, the proprietor, carried on his usual patter of local gossip. Soon now we get bank here in Selkirk, you say. <laughs> That'd be a good thing, a bank. Many bad men come to North not for prospecting in ground, but in people's pockets. Ah, oh, Francois, you're always suspecting the worst in people. Most of them are pretty honest, I find. Oh, you, Pete, you trust everyone. Never have I seen such a man as you. You have good heart, but you are bad businessman. Maybe it's because I haven't too much to lose. I can't complain, though. My claim is paying off, and I have quite a bit saved. You give away more than you save. How do you like them boots? These fit all right. I'll put the other one on.
4: Hello, Francois. Oh, hello, Pete.
1: Hi there, Jake. Hello, Jake. You want something?
4: Well, I need some flour and tobacco. Uh, I hate to ask you, Francois, but I need a little more credit.
1: Jake, me, I am a generous man, I think. Yeah. But three times now, I give you credit when long time ago I should stop. This time, I must say no.
4: Well, Francois, I'll pay you as soon as I get some money.
1: What's wrong, Jake? You broke?
4: Oh, I had some tough luck.
1: Give him what he wants, Francois. Put it on my account.
4: But Pete... Gee, isn't thanks, me. Pete. You're sure a good fella.
1: That's all right, Jake. Well, yeah, all right. I get it for you.
4: See, hey, I just saw Red Davis and Lucky Darrell in the cafe before I came in here. They said they were going over to your house to see you.
1: Say, I'm glad you reminded me of that. Said they'd be over today, and I clean forgot about it. Yeah, here you are, Jake. Yeah. Well, thanks, Francois. Don't thank me. If I had to say so, you would not get this flour and tobacco. Never mind, Francois. Jake'll pay me back.
4: You're darn tootin' I will. Well, so long, Pete.
1: You should not give your money to Jake. He is no good. Well, maybe he's just having a little hard luck. Never have I seen such a man as you. How many men have you grubstake? <laughs> not too many, but you never can tell. If they had paid dirt, Half of it'll be mine. But some of them you hardly know. They have to file their claims here, don't they? When I have papers to show I grubstake, I'm entitled to get half. Well, maybe I am wrong. Maybe the world needs more men like you. You are a trusting man, but I would not say a wise one. <laughs> I'll take these mucklucks, Francois. So I guess I'd better wear them. I'm in a hurry. I have to get back to my cabin to meet Red Davis and Lucky Darrow. Oh, hello, Pete. Hello, Pete. Hi there, Red and Lucky. I've been waiting for you. Come on in.
8: Right. We wanted to talk to you about grub staking, Mr. Pete.
1: Oh, well, that's it. You wouldn't be taking much of a chance this time, Pete. I got a good tip from this friend of mine who just made a big strike. There's plenty of gold up there where he is. And if we can get enough supplies together, we'll have a fortune in no time. Oh, good. Oh, I'm sorry Jane and my young son aren't here. I'd like to have you meet him. Make yourselves at home, boy. Oh, thanks. Thanks. What's Kevin you have here? Uh huh. Jane would like it better if we were a little closer to town. You, uh, said you had a son, too, didn't you? Yeah. Jimmy's nine years old. Now, how much do you boys figure you'll need? Well, uh, you grubstake people before, haven't you? Yeah. Let's see. Well, Well, I can give you exact figures if you want to see them. Keep all my papers here in this tin box. Some blank forms here. Here we are. I can't let you have as much as I gave Slim Jackson. My savings are getting low. But I feel this is a good investment. How about $300? That ought to be enough. Yeah, yeah, we could make it on that, I think. All right, boys. I'm going to take a chance on you. Hey, huh? There's $300 in gold. Now you sign this paper, It's Pets. Oh, sure. I fill in the money here, don't I? That's right. I guess we really ought to have a witness, but... I trust you, boys. There. Yeah. Now you sign it, Lucky. <laughs> sure. There you are. Maybe we'll all be rich someday.
5: Well, come on, Lucky.
1: Thanks a lot, Pete. We'll be seeing you as soon as we hit pay dirt and come back here to file a claim. Yeah, I guess your wife and son are coming now, Pete. Yeah, a boy and a woman coming up the trail. Stay and meet him, why don't you? We'll meet him when we have some good news for him. Come on, Reddy. Uh, goodbye, Pete. Bye. Good luck. Well, we did it. If that claim is as rich as I think it's going to be, he's made a good investment. He's not a very good businessman. Why? What do you mean? He didn't have any witnesses there. Nobody saw us get that money. No, but he's got our signature. If that claim is as rich as you think it's going to be, might be a good idea to get that paper somewhere. If he couldn't produce a paper, he'd have a hard time proving he grub Uh-huh. Tim' tin box wouldn't be hard to open. Well, let's not count kind our of chickens. There'll be plenty of time to decide what to do after we get paid, if we do. Quiet. Here's his wife and kid. What's he carrying? Hey, looks like a fuck. Howdy, ma'am.
9: Hello, there. You just came out of our cabin, didn't you?
1: Yeah, yeah. We've been to see your father. I'm going
9: to surprise him. Look what I have.
1: <laughs> well, he's a fine pup.
9: Now, don't you bother these men, Jimmy. They're probably in a hurry. Well, I can't wait till Dad sees
1: Mabel. He'll uh, like him, all right. Come on,
9: I like I don't see why you want to call that dog Mabel. Oh, I like that name, and Mabel likes it, too. He knows it already. Uh, all right, Jimmy. Then Mabel it is.
10: Here's our house, Mabel.
5: Now, go on
10: in and meet Dad. What on earth is that? Now, Dad, what do you think it is? A cow?
1: That's a strange looking animal. Oh, I never saw such big feet.
9: It is an odd looking pup. <laughs> Zeke Smith gave it to Jimmy. I
10: guess maybe there's every kind of a dog you could think of mixed up in him. But I think he's beautiful. Mabel and I are going to be the best friends in the world.
1: As uh, Sergeant Preston of the Northwest Mounted Police drove his dog team along the trail bordering the river near Selkirk, he heard a child's voice calling frantically. Come on, Mabel.
8: Stop. Stop, quick. Oh? Okay. Hello, Huskies. What's wrong down there? Jimmy, come out of that water. No, I've
9: got to get my dog. My dog's out there.
8: Jimmy, come back here. Now, get up there on shore.
10: But, Sergeant Preston, my dog's out there on that piece of ice. He broke away. I I just got to get him.
8: I'll get him for you some way. No, get out of this water.
10: Oh, look, he, he slipped. He's in the water and he's going under. He'll get He's so little.
8: All right, King. <coughs> I guess you can get him, boy. Go get him, King. <coughs> Stay up here on shore, Jim. King will get him. Your dog won't drown.
10: Mabel's just a pup. I hope King can bring him in.
8: Current's too strong for a pup. The king can handle it. There, see? King got him.
10: Come on, King, old boy. We'll have to run along the shore.
8: Yes. Current's sweeping them down.
10: Poor Mabel. He can drowned. I'll bet.
8: There. King's bringing him to shore. Good work, old boy. Well, there's your dog, Jim. Still very much alive.
5: Mm -hmm. I'll put you
9: inside my party.
10: Come on back to my sled,
8: Jim. We'll get you and these dogs back to your cabin and dry you off. You
10: think you'll get a bad cold, Sergeant?
8: No, we'll dry him off and warm him up, and I'm sure he'll be as good as new.
1: While Jimmy changed his clothes, Sergeant Preston talked to Mrs. Carruthers. Mabel and King dried off before the fire. Just what kind of dog is Mabel.
9: A mixture of about everything, I guess, Sergeant. Oh. All I know is that he's more trouble than any dog I ever saw. He chews everything up and takes things out and buries them in the snow.
8: Well, most dogs do that.
9: Not quite as much as this one, though. He is furious He had to go down and buy some more mucklucks today. Mabel stole the new one, Or rather, one of them. <laughs> Buried it somewhere, I guess. We can't find it anywhere. Well,
8: can't you train Mabel not to do it?
9: We tried, but nothing seems to work. He's very quick about it and rather sly. If Jimmy weren't so fond of him, we'd give him away. He's threatening to do it anyway.
1: Oh. Here's Pete now. Hello, dear. Hello. Oh, Preston, I thought I recognize your team out there. How are you, Pete?
9: Sergeant Preston just saved Mabel from drowning.
1: Oh. Well, I'm afraid I'm not going to thank him for it. That dog is a pest. We've got to get rid of him. Oh, no. If he steals one more thing that belongs to me, I'm
8: going to get rid of him. He'll uh, get over it when he's a little older. Well,
1: I can't wait that long. He's stolen mittens, boots, caps, and everything you could think of. I'm reaching the end of my patience. It was a few weeks later. Fred Davis and Lucky Darrell were camped a few miles outside of Selkirk. The appearance of the men had changed. Lucky Daryl had grown a thick beard that covered his face like a mask, while Red had shaved his beard off completely. Red was cooking their supper as he talked to Lucky. We'll stay here for a few days till we find out what's happening in town. Now, you better go into Selkirk tomorrow. I'm afraid somebody might recognize me and start asking questions. Nobody will know you with that beard. You didn't have one before. They'll probably recognize me, though, and kind of my red hair. I think we're taking a big chance doing this. We're not taking a chance at all. If we can find out when nobody's going to be at Pete's cabin, we can get into that tin box in two minutes. Red, uh, why don't we give him half the claim? After all, he did grubstake us, and legally it's his. Now, don't start that again. Do you realize if we give him half of it, that means we'll just get a fourth apiece? But it's a rich claim. There'll be enough for all of us. It's too rich to give away if we don't have to. Now, nobody witnessed it when we signed that paper. If we can get our hands on it, we'll deny that Pete ever grubstaked us. And he'll have nothing to prove that he did. But we're going to get that paper. But don't forget we have to file a claim. We'll file it after we get the paper that proves Pete owns half of it. Now, tomorrow morning, you go into town and see what's happening. Maybe they'll be having a party or something that Pete might want to attend. The following morning, Sergeant Preston stopped his dog team before the Carruthers' cabin. Young Jimmy was out in front playing with his pup.
5: Hooking! Oh, Hello, oh, you hooking. Hello,
10: Sergeant Preston. Quiet, Mabel. Don't you recognize King?
8: How are you, Jimmy? Thought I'd stop and see how you are after your dip in the river. And, uh, how's Mabel? Oh, we're both fine.
10: It didn't hurt Mabel a bit.
8: Right.
10: Look at him. I think he knows King. He's trying to show off in
8: front of him. Mabel's trying to impress King, all right. Wants to play with him. Oh, uh, you're going to the big show in town tonight?
10: I'm sure. Bob and Mama taking well. I never saw a magician before. They say he takes things out of hats and makes things disappear and everything.
8: I guess just about everyone in town will be there. Quite a treat for the people to have some entertainment.
10: Jimmy!
1: Jimmy! Oh, hello, Preston.
8: Hello, Pete. Something wrong?
1: What's wrong, Pop? It's your dog again. I can't find one of my new muckrucks. He must have buried it somewhere. I, uh, I think
8: this is the first time I ever saw you mad, Pete. I am mad, and this is the last straw.
1: I told you, Jimmy, that if he hid one more thing of mine, that you'd have to get rid of that dog. Oh, Pop, no. I could brain that fool animal. I just bought that pair of boots a few weeks ago. Look at him, leaping around, showing off in front
10: of King. King saved his life, and, and Mabel remembers him. If you'd have hung your boots up on a nail or something. I'm through running our house to suit Mabel. Hanging everything up beyond uh, reach. Pete,
8: look. Mabel just dug something out of the snow.
10: Why, look, Pop. It, it looks like your boots. Mabel wants to play tug-of-war with King. Oh, my new muckluck now bring
1: that here, you little scallywag, Jimmy, catch him. Mabel.
9: Come here, Mabel. Give that
8: Mabel's a lively pup, all right? Jimmy's got
1: to get rid of that silly dog. I won't have him around anymore. Oh,
8: well, Jimmy's pretty fond of him. Of course, most dogs do that when they're little. Why don't you give Mabel one more chance?
9: Here's your little pop. It isn't hurt a bit.
8: Now, you give that dog a good hard whipping.
10: But I can't whip him for digging up the booth. It was burying it that was bad, oh, wasn't it, Sergeant? Uh,
8: Jimmy's right, Pete. If Mabel is rewarded for digging up the boot, maybe he'll find some of the other things he's buried.
10: You're a good
1: dog, Mabel. Good old fella.
8: You'd better show him the boot and pet him,
1: Pete. Well, this beats everything. Having to pet him when I want to kick him in the slats. <laughs> well, let's get back some of my mittens and things. Come here, Mabel. Good dog. You dug up this boot. I could kick all your teeth in, but you're
8: a very good dog.
10: He's proud of himself. Look at him wiggle.
1: Well,
8: guess I'll run along. See you tonight, please. Jimmy says you're all going to see the magician.
1: Yeah. Maybe I can make a deal with that magician to come out here and make Mabel
8: disappear. Come on, King. Goodbye. Goodbye, so bye, Sergeant. Sergeant.
1: Later that night, Red and Lucky walked quietly toward Pete's cabin. A light snow was falling. You sure nobody in town recognized you today? Not a soul. (laughs) This beard makes me look like everybody else who wears one. We'll go back to camp tonight after we get that paper. And tomorrow we'll come into town and pretend we just got here and file the claim. You, uh... Sure Pete won't be home tonight. I told you everybody in the place is going to see that magician. There's never any entertainment up here and nobody would miss it. Right, here's Pete's cabin. There's a dim light burning in it. Nobody's home or it'd be brighter. There's just enough light for me to find that little tin box. Think I ought to stay out here and watch? Yeah. yeah this snow is a good piece of luck. it will cover our tracks. I'll leave the cabin door open. If you hear anyone coming along the trail, whistle. All right, but hurry. There's a lot of people use this trail.
5: Hey, you, quiet
1: hey, Quiet, I said Hey, quit jumping on me Friendly little cuss, aren't you? Down, I say I don't want to play with it I'll go away yeah, Here's the tin box This light is so dim hey, go away, pup Go on, go on yeah. ah, Here's the one I'm looking for Never know it's been moved. <sighs> no. Hey, where's my mitten? Did you find it, Pierce? Oh, I thought you were keeping watch. Nobody's coming. Did you get the paper? Yeah, I got it here somewhere.
3: Where in the
1: dickens? What's wrong? I took the paper out of the box and put it in my mitten on the floor beside me. Now the mitten is gone. Gone? gone. Oh, you're crazy. It's so dark in here. You oh, Maybe I kicked it accidentally. It must be here somewhere don't see it anyplace. Couldn't have walked away all by itself. Where? Hey, that pup. I bet he took it. Did you see him? No, but the door was open and he's black. Come on. He must be out here somewhere. There he is in the snow. Come back here, you black mongrel. You're scaring him. He's running. I'll get him. Hey, don't shoot that gun. Somebody will hear it. Where's that dog? It's so dark, I don't see him anymore. Probably scared him so by shooting at him that he's still running. We'll never find him without a lantern. I don't see why you had to stick that paper in your mitten. It might have blown away if I'd have put it on the floor. I certainly thought the mitten was safe enough. That ordinary little cur I should have brained him. Say, Red, uh, maybe we can find a lantern in the house and trail him. Hey, listen. That sounds like a dog team coming. we got to get out of here. Maybe we can come back when it's light. It's a cinch. Pete won't be able to find the paper anyway. Oh, come on. I'll come back early tomorrow before anyone's out. Maybe I can. About an hour after daybreak the following morning, Red looked up from the campfire at which he was cooking breakfast as Lucky approached. You back already? Did you find the mitten? snowed last night, you know that? There weren't any tracks. I looked all over. I was there at Pete's cabin before anyone was awake. But it must have been around somewhere. That pup couldn't have eaten it. The snow covered all his tracks. He probably dragged the mitten off into the woods somewhere. You didn't leave any fresh tracks around in the snow yourself, did you? You Think I'm crazy, Red? I could see from the trail and all the tracks around the cabin were covered. Well, I guess we're safe enough. If we can't find that mitten, I'm sure Pete won't be able to. Especially when he doesn't even know the paper's missing out of his tin box. When he does miss it, he won't go looking for it in a strange mitten that his pup dragged off into the woods. What are you planning to do, Red? We'll do just what we plan to do. Go in and file this claim under our names. If Pete puts up a squawk, we just don't know what he's talking about. We'll wait until noon today and then go in and get a room at the hotel and pretend we just mushed in from the north. That night in the Silver Slipper Cafe, everyone was helping to celebrate the new strike made by Red and Lucky. As Pete Carruthers walked in the door, he was met by Jake. Hello
4: there, Pete. Hey, I've been lucky tonight. I'm going to pay you back for the money you let me have in Francois's place the other day. Uh, now,
1: Jake. Let it go till tomorrow. I
4: better take it now while I got it. All right. There you are. Thanks, Jake. Say, I suppose you heard about right, the strike right. that Red and Lucky made.
1: Right? No, I didn't even know they were back.
4: Well, they come back and filed their claim today. They're over at the bar now.
1: There they are. I wonder why they didn't tell me about it. I'd better see them. Set them up again, Barney. Oh, they're feet.
2: Hello, Pete. Go on, name your boys. Yeah, Lick and
3: Red just made a strike. They're going to be rich.
1: Hello, Pete. Hello, boys. Why didn't you tell me the good news? Well, you didn't happen to be around, that's all. Well, I should think you'd have found me. After all, half your claim is mine. Half yours? What do you mean? <laughs> What's he talking about? You boys know I grubstake you. That entitles me to half the claim. Oh, gosh, Pete. You've stakes so many people. I guess you just get everything mixed up. Could you sign the paper? It's at home. Did you have any witnesses to prove we did this little deal you're dreaming up? Why, you know, I trusted you. <laughs> you signed that paper. Great, you got a little mixed up, Pete. You get that paper, and maybe we'll remember.
4: Hey, <laughs> right, come on, boys. Let's have another round right about <laughs>
1: The following
8: morning, Sergeant Preston looked gravely at the tin box opened on the table in Pete's cabin. You'd better tell me everything that happened, Pete. Now, were you sure you had the paper that proved you were grubstaked Lucky and Red? Sure, I had it. Right here in this tin box. Mm. You say you had no witnesses here when you signed the paper? No, I didn't. It was Red and Lucky were here. Well, there isn't anything you can do about it legally without that paper. Did Red and Lucky know where you kept it? Sure they did. They saw me put it away. Oh, I'm afraid you're too trusting, Pete. You mean you think they stole it? It's possible. There isn't any way we can
1: prove it. They didn't get into town until yesterday.
5: Hmm,
8: that's how it looks. Well, come on, let's go outside. They may have left some tracks around. Doubt it, though, after that snow last night. Here, Mabel,
10: Mabel, Mabel.
1: Jimmy, there's no use looking for that pup anymore.
8: Has Mabel disappeared? Yes, thank
1: goodness. He wasn't in the house when we got back from the show the other night. Somebody picked him up. Good riddance, I say.
10: Sergeant Preston, you haven't seen anything of Mabel, have you?
1: Why, no, I haven't, Jimmy. He's been
10: gone since night
1: before last. Jimmy, stop bothering the sergeant. He's got more important things to look for than that fool animal.
10: Oh, but King could find him. He knows Mabel's name, don't you, King? I'll
8: help you look for Mabel later, Jimmy. Right now, we're looking for some strange tracks. You better circle the cabin, Pete.
10: Could I borrow King while you're looking? Or or do you need him?
8: Why, I don't need King right now. He doesn't know what I'm looking for. Go with Jimmy, King.
10: Will you tell him to find Mabel, Sergeant?
8: Find Mabel, boy. Where's Mabel?
10: Come on, King, find Mabel. We'll circle the cabin, too.
8: Well, Pete, I guess there's no use. Nothing to show that anybody's been near your place. Yes, you're right, Sergeant. That's what I get for trusting too many people. Maybe you put that paper someplace else. You sure yeah. it was in that tin box? Dad,
9: soggy it.
8: Oh yeah. What oh. ails that fool kid? What's wrong, Jimmy? Hurry,
1: King found
8: Mabel. Oh, come on, Pete. Maybe the pup was caught in a trap. Son,
1: I was hoping he'd never find that fool dog.
10: Hurry, King must have heard Mabel or smelled him or something. Mabel's down in a big hole, too deep for me. I can't get him.
8: Mabel's still alive.
10: Yes, but he's pretty weak. He can't seem to make much noise. How oh, could he fall down a hole? Yeah, here he is.
8: Well, poor little fella. Here, Jimmy, take my hand. I'll lower you down in the hole and pull you and Mabel up. <coughs> Easy now.
10: Don't worry, Mabel. I'm coming.
8: Just like that, fool
1: dog. Not to look where he's going. Poor
10: Mabel. Come on, boy. Stay dead. Here's one of your mittens. <laughs> down here beside Mabel.
1: I suppose so. He was running away with it, I'll bet.
8: Hand it up here, Jimmy. <laughs> there you are, please. Well, maybe you'll be glad we found Mabel. You'll have another pair of mittens. Oh. All right, Jim. Take my hand. I'll pull you up. hello oh, there you are. Wouldn't you know it. That
1: dog has stolen at least a half dozen of my mittens. And the one I find with him isn't even mine. Mabel isn't hurt or anything.
8: He'll be all right, Jim. Oh, uh, well. This mitten
1: fits me out. Hey. What's this? It's a paper. It was inside the mitten. Well, for the love. Well, what is it, Pete?
8: It's the grub steak paper. What?
10: Well, how would Mabel do something awful bad, Dad?
8: Not this time, Jim. We don't know yet how Mabel did it. It looks as though he helped your dad find a fortune.
1: But that dog couldn't get in the tin box?
8: No, but he was probably standing beside the man who did. Well, can you beat that? Uh, uh, Jimmy,
1: uh, you better take Mabel right home and feed him and take care of him. I'll wrap him in a blanket and give him part of that venison in the storehouse. (laughs) And some hot canned milk.
10: What? Oh, sure, (laughs) sure, Dad. Gee, thanks, Sergeant, for lending me, King. I never could have found Mabel without him. That's
8: all right, Jimmy. Give me that mitten, please. King and I are going to town to find the owner of it. Come on, King.
1: <laughs> the desk clerk at the Northern Hotel smiled as Sergeant Preston and his big dog, King,
8: approached him in the lobby. Uh,
4: hello, Sergeant.
8: Uh, how are you? Fine, Bill. I'd like some information. Anything you want, Sergeant? I Red Davis and Lucky Darrell registered here. Yes,
1: they're here. They're in room uh, 22. Uh-huh. Ain't in now, though. Saw me about an hour ago. <laughs> they're celebrating a the big strike they made.
8: Would you mind letting me have a look at their room? I've got the
1: key right here. Sure. Now, come on. I'll take you back. Thanks, Bill. Anything wrong, Sergeant?
8: I don't know yet. But I think we'll soon find out.
1: Well, it's a little irregular letting anyone in their room like this, but
8: <laughs> Mounties are different. It won't take long. I'm trying to find the mate to uh, this mitten. Yeah, here's the room. Come in with me, Bill. If I find that mitten, I'd like you to be a witness.
1: Sure, I'd be glad to. Go on, King. Well, you don't have to look far. Isn't this it here on the bed?
8: Uh, It looks like the mate, all right.
1: Of course, there are hundreds of mittens like this up here.
8: It's a regular kind you get the trading post.
1: Francois has hundreds of them.
8: I've another way of checking whether the mitten I have belongs to the same man that one does. You keep that mitten, Bill. He and I are going to wait in the lobby till Lucky and Red get back. There they are now, Sergeant. I'm going back to the room. I don't want them to think I'm interested. They keep talking to me when cross the lobby Started down the hall. What are you going to do? i to begin the sound of this mitten if they found me at these and tell him to search. As the mitten belongs to Lucky or Red, King will pick up the scent right here in the lobby. It's good and fresh and he can't miss it. If he follows him, it will be a double check.
1: They've gone down the hall.
8: Here, King. This mitten. Find him, fella. Come on, King. I'll lead you past the door.
1: Does he know what you want him to do?
8: Yes, he knows. This took a lot of training. Search, boy. Find him.
1: He's picked up the scent. He's following Red and
8: Lucky. Come on, this is all I needed. Oh, uh, you got that mitten we found in their room? Yep,
1: I've got it. King is standing right
8: at their door. Who is it? It's Sergeant Preston, Red. Open this door. Hello, Sergeant. Hi, Bill. What's wrong? Good work, King.
7: What's the matter? What's wrong with that dog?
8: He's trying to find the owner of this mitten. He seems to think it's yours, Red. Why, know oh, that's not mine. I never saw it before. King knows it's yours. And I searched your room before you came in and found its mate. Show it to him, Bill. Here it is. Red, It's keeps still lucky. This is a frame-up. You can't prove you found that in my room? Oh, yes, I can. Bill came in with me, and he can witness it. Yep. We found it about an hour ago. You're both under arrest for breaking into Pete's cabin and attempted fraud. But, but how did you find that mitten? Well, a mongrel pup named Mabel found it, but uh, you'll find out about that later. I'm taking you two to jail. When you're safely locked up, King and I are going to take Mabel a bone for saving us a lot of hard work. Yes, thanks to King and Mabel, this case is closed. <laughs>
1: Thank you for listening. Tomorrow, it's Nick Carter, Master Detective, followed by Burns and Allen. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive
0: producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.